welcome to Smart Career Planning, a podcast that discusses anything and maybe everything that goes into planning a smart career journey. I'm your host, Helen Chow. Welcome to your eighth episode. At the end of our last podcast, I said that our guest today will be Vivi Fenwick. Well, she ended up getting a flu on the day when we were supposed to record the podcast. So instead of having Vivi, we have a different guest today. You will get to listen to Vivi Fenwick, but that podcast will be live in about two weeks. Now, our guest today, Dan Metlin. He is the Talent Acquisition Manager for ARM, A-R-M. ARM is a 5,000-person company, and they're also the world's leading semiconductor intellectual property supplier company. For more information about the company, you can check out www.arm.com. Now, our guest so far has I mean, they do have pretty diverse recruitment experience. I remember my first episode of this recruiter series, Amanda Walk. Um, she works in the financial services industry. And the following episode, Claire Baudista, she's in the consulting services industry. Following one, Alan Bailey provided us um, the agency recruitment perspective on headhunting and how he prepares candidates. Now, Dan... Dan brings with him a very insightful view on interviewing for an enterprise-level high-tech company. Hope you will enjoy this podcast. Here we have Dan Metlin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Helen. How are you? (laughs) I am doing well. Thank you so much for making time to speak with us. My pleasure. Thanks. Good. Now, would you mind telling the audience and me too a little bit about yourself and what do you do and how did you get to this point in your career? Absolutely. Uh, So my name is Dan Medlin. I'm the Talent Acquisition Manager for North America and Asia Pacific for ARM. ARM is a semiconductor design company based out of uh, Cambridge, England. We have some major operations in Austin, Texas, where I'm located. And I've been in the Austin, Texas high-tech recruiting marketplace for about the past 15 years. And I've been with a couple of well-known companies like General Electric and Samsung. But this has been a fantastic role here at ARM, and I'm just really enjoying the company. Uh, It's a real innovative and and creative company, and I love recruiting really brilliant talent, uh, very highly intellectual and smart engineers to come and do some of the design work that is changing the changing the high-tech marketplace. Arm is one of the most pervasive companies across the computing industry, and our designs are in so many things around the planet, you just have no idea how many different things have Arm designs inside them. So it's a pretty cool place to be, and um, I got here really through uh, a great pathway. I started out with uh, degrees in psychology, and then uh, wanted to apply that in a corporate setting and took a look at things like industrial organizational psychology and and business and really found a niche in recruiting in that it's always been my passion and my joy to help great people find great jobs. And I've done everything from um, been a a career counselor. Uh, I've written some some books on uh, career networking and and job search. I've got a book out on Amazon called the Star Career Workbook. Uh, 
And uh, then I've also been on both the agency or headhunter side of the business, uh, recruiting great talent for lots of different clients and companies. And, I, and I've spent a good deal of time on the corporate recruiting side, which is obviously where I am now and have been probably for the last uh, nearly almost decade now I've been on the corporate side. And, uh, you know, the other thing now, of course, is, is that I'm managing a team and uh, still spend a good deal of time really throughout my, my regular work week of, of digging in at the direct level of, of recruiting and, and talking to candidates, but also managing a global team is a lot of fun uh, about what I do. I've got a great team of experienced recruiters who uh, are really familiar with our business and, and they know the kind of talent that we're looking for and they really manage their client relationships very well and they allow me to uh, stay at a high enough level and, and really lay cover for them and help them become more efficient and get them the resources they need to do what they do. Mm, good. You actually brought up two points um, hoping to talk a little bit about. Um, Samsung, GE, you know, those are really big companies. Um, for, the, uh, for those of us who are not too familiar with ARM, um, when it comes to the size of the company, is it a little smaller or is it even much bigger? No, it's smaller. ARM is 4,500 employees on average across the globe. So much smaller than GE and Samsung, which is, you know, the difference would be for anyone working in the industry would probably know, you know, when you are with one of these larger companies like Samsung with nearly 300,000 employees or GE the same, that, you know, you're a, you've got a small part in a very, very large organization. You can run your show, you know, you can really be, a, a, you can have significant influence in the business unit that you're in, but you probably only have a small impact across the entire organization. And that's the fun of being at ARM in that nearly everything I do has an impact across the entire organization. And I really enjoy that, but it also is a key, you know, it's a responsibility. It even puts a little bit of extra pressure on me to make sure that what I'm doing will have the impact that I hope that it has, that I intend for it to have, because it's going to uh, touch a lot of people around the world. Mm -hmm. Now, let me put on a job seeker's hat. Imagine if I'm looking for a job, of course, companies like GE, Samsung, they will come to the top of my mind because they're really big companies. How about if I'm interested in a company the size of ARMS, um, you know, what recommendations would you have for someone like me who's not particularly interested in a you know, really big corporation, but... Um, more interested in a mid-size enterprise-level company like ARMS. How can I find you? Yeah, good question. So I think the first thing is um, speaking directly to potential candidates is don't just stop at the big names. Mm -hmm. Explore further around your industry and, and uncover a lot of the different companies that 
uh, are a part of that ecosystem of the industry where you're working. And so you can think through customers and vendors and suppliers and the supply chain of those big companies. And that's where you'll find a lot of the other companies like Arm or many of our direct competitors who are, you know, 4,000, 5,000, 8,000 employees, still a significant size company to get involved with. And there's a lot of benefit to being in a company, you know, between the, say, the 5,000 to 20,000 employees. You know, there's still some uh, nimbleness. There's still some flexibility. There's an opportunity to have a bigger impact in what you do when you're creative or innovative. And that's why I encourage folks that are in the semiconductor industry to, to look broader and deeper when they're considering a career move. But I think also on the other side for recruiters who are in our field or who are also in similar sized organizations, we do have to do more to really seek out good talent because they're not just, just going to know us by our brand all of the time. So one of the things that we did at ARM was we hired a social media uh, guru for our recruiting team. So we've got one dedicated person who really looks at our branding, our social media strategy, our messaging, and where we are on the web and what our search engine optimization is looking like so that candidates can find us easily and so that candidates know what our unified message is. And then I think the other thing is that the recruiters know that they can't just depend on applicants for roles. While in many cases, you know, ARM is a, a brand name and if, if an individual is coming through in a computer engineering degree today, they will have researched ARM. They'll probably, they may have even had a class on ARM technology. So they probably know us, and then they need to think about what is a career opportunity going to look like at ARM, and how do I pursue that? Because then we're easy to find at that point. Once you just plug in a search for career opportunities at ARM, you're going to find us, and you're going to find the jobs that we've posted. But we can't always depend on that the, that the top matching candidate is going to just apply to our role because we've posted that job on the web. So we've got to get out there on social media sites like LinkedIn and Facebook, get tweets out. We get out on um, developer communities um, like uh, Stack Overflow and, and so forth. And we, you know, we get our message out there. We've got a strong presence on Glassdoor, and we make sure that our message is clear and that we that we have solid, balanced reviews from our employees and candidates who visit with us on Glassdoor, so that anyone that's looking for information or just generally searching across semiconductor companies that they can find good information about ARM and make a good choice about whether to uh, pursue an opportunity with us. And there's a certain amount of, not even a certain amount, at least you know, 20, 30% of our work where we have to do really direct headhunting 
to find the best matching candidate for a unique role. Our bar is really high about the skills and the intelligence of individuals that we would hire. And our recruiters know this. And so they'll often go directly out to social media or to the developer communities and seek out candidates to be considered for some of our roles. Because again, they can't just rely on the applicants just streaming in, in that you know, you're looking for a diamond in the rough and that rough may be very large. And so you've got to really go after the diamonds. Good, good, good. Now, um, I have a question more specific to that, but before that, though, um, I remember you mentioned something about engineering. Um, are those, is, it, is that the field that you typically recruit for, or yeah. do you have other? Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, obviously, with an organization that is an engineering organization, you know, 90% of our recruitment is for engineers. And then we have finance professionals, and we have HR professionals, and we have you know, accounting and marketing and sales and so forth. But even our marketing and sales force are primarily engineers. Oh, wow. They came, yeah, they came through the engineering realm and then realized that they had a talent for sales and marketing because they've, they've got to understand our technology. They can't talk to our customers and not have a deep understanding of our technology. So you can't come in and sell semiconductor without an engineering degree. That's that's a great point. Um, a lot of my clients here, so I also do direct headhunting, and I would say the companies I recruit for, they're either in the the 50-person realm, 50 to 100-person realm, to maybe 200 to 500-person realm. So they're much smaller, and I guess with... And, and I'm pretty sure you can speak to that too. Sometimes with a smaller company, you can't really afford to, uh, for someone to have zero experience in a particular area and just expect them to ramp up. Um, so a lot of times you have to, to find someone with direct domain experience, that very specific technical expertise. Now, you mentioned something really interesting. Um, you have a really high bar when it comes to identifying the right candidates. And since you spend about 30% of your time directly reaching out to specific candidates, what are some of those traits? How do you identify someone to be high caliber, whether it be online or on paper? You know, you're not going to see it online and you're not going to see it on paper. Um, be, I'll tell you what the traits are, but but first let me just address the um, what we have to see first before we even uncover the traits. We've got to see uh, a resume and a CV or an online profile on LinkedIn or wherever. We've got to see everything buttoned up, crisp and clean, and, and all of the, the technical skills that we're looking for need to be in there. All of the key successes or projects that you've worked on need to be in there. And uh, I don't care if your resume is five pages long or, or three pages long, it, more is better in the engineering community for a resume or a CV because, you know, we've got we've to see what, we, what we're looking for on the skills just so that we would know I need to call that candidate. And then once we get that candidate on the phone, 
Now we're looking for three other really important things. The first is a can-do attitude that of a person who will push through barriers, that you don't blame, you don't point fingers, you take accountability, and you, you push through the barriers and you get things done. Okay, that's the first thing. The other thing is uh, that I'm looking for problem solvers. I'm looking for people that enjoy taking a really complex, uh, uh, you know, missing variables kinds of problem and love to solve those kinds of problems. And th this is a common trait of really great engineers anyway, so I'm not saying anything that an engineer doesn't know. But, you know, the, the rest of the world may not have really thought about that. But just really great problem-solving skills and a passion for it is the, is the second trait. And the third thing that's really important to ARM in particular and probably some of the companies that we compete with for top talent is this idea of kind of a um, – it's, it's more than just creative and innovative, although it starts – but it's almost also a disruptor, someone who is willing to come in and break something apart and say, this is crap and I've got a better way. And I'll, I'll take this piece and that piece that you've already put together, but I'm going to pull this third piece or this fourth piece from a different idea that you've never even thought of, and we're going to come together with a better solution. And that's, that's kind of the disruptor mentality. And so when you see solutions that hit, you know, the consumer knows about solutions like, say, Uber and Lyft, right? When those things came about, those were disruptive technologies and disruptive services that, you know, we didn't even know we needed them. And now we can't live without them, mm -hmm. right? And, and so I'm looking for engineers who have that kind of mentality, that they're going to they're going to really come forward with that that level of creativity. Great. Now, I don't know if that happens to you. It seems like you have a very rigorous, um, you know, uh, hunting process as well as interview process. Have you ever come across a time when, you know, the, the candidate did really well over interview with you and um, your recruiters, but then when it comes to in-person interview, it just went straight south. Has that ever happened yes. to you? And if so, yes. what were some of it those does. traits? Yeah, it does. And, and I'm sad to see it when it happens. Um, and, you know, and here's the thing is that uh, we have, we can have a really solid behavioral interview uh, at the early stages, and we can talk about things that I am talking about, like um, creativity and innovation and, and a can-do attitude. And then they, they come in to interview with the engineers, and they feel great about their candidacy because I've given them great feedback about their personality. And then they don't study up on the engineering pieces and the technical side. And you've got to bring your A game when you go in for that on-site interview or when you go in for that technical screening. And I mean study. I mean hit the books. Mm -hmm. 
because the engineers at the best companies are going to ask you some of the most challenging technical questions you've ever been asked. And they're expecting you to hit the numbers on those questions. And they're expecting you to even see the flaws in their own questions. Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and, right? So when my engineer asks you a question and gives you, say, a set of data and says, you know, solve this problem based on this set of data, and maybe there's a, even a problem in the data set itself, they're expecting you to recognize that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so if you're not really, really prepared for that technical piece, you can kill it on the behavioral side and then lose it on the, on the uh, behavior, on the technical side. So you've got to win both battles to get the offer. Wow, that's great. <laughs> now, um, sort, sort of switching gear a little bit, I remember you talked about you uh, having both the in-house experience and agency experience. I don't know if you feel like there's a difference between being an agency recruiter versus being an in-house recruiter for a bigger company. Do you feel like um, your interview process or your engagement process with candidates, were they a little different? You know, it's really not significantly different. Um, it, the only difference is that um, I'm only going to represent that com that candidate to one company, mm -hmm. my company. Uh, and for that purpose, we're going to be a little more focused about the qualifications that I'm looking for. I'm, I'm probably going to only represent that candidate to one, maybe two, maybe three different roles, and only in my company. Okay, and so the personality, the team fit, the cultural fit is very focused. Um, and then we may have a conversation about the technical skills that are required in one or two different positions if you know we're gonna look at two different positions. But that's the only difference really and the other thing that that I do and my team does is that when you know when we're talking to a candidate, we will often take off our arm recruiter hat and just provide some basic career counseling. Mm. And I think this is appreciated uh, in the candidate community, and and we consider it to be part of the you know enhancing the candidate experience. So when the candidate says, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if the resume I have is really getting the traction that I need, what do you think? Then we're going to say, well, let me take off my arm recruiter hat for a minute and just tell you this is what I see across the industry on best practices with, you know, with a resume. Or let me give you some direct in, input about your interviewing so that whether you get a job at ARM or not, you can do better on every interview that you give going forward. And we'll often do that. And I would hope that an agency recruiter will do that as well because that's what makes them more marketable across the different clients that they would represent the candidate to. Mm -hmm. That's great. Those are really great suggestions. Now, before we wrap up, what advice would you give to your listeners as they're looking 
um, to fix their resumes and plan for their interviews. What advice would you have for them? Yeah, I think a um, couple of different things. One is study up on the culture of the companies to which you're applying and make sure that you're ready to speak to that. Most companies are now advertising, marketing their, uh, their core values, their vision, who they want to, who they are and who they want to be as a company and what they find important in the traits of employees. And they're expressing those things as our core values, our core beliefs, um, the core behaviors that make someone successful at our company. And they're usually putting that out on, on the web somewhere. Find it, study it, and then really think hard. Is, th is that me? Is that what I want to be? Can I, can I exhibit those qualities if I go into an interview with this company? It makes it time consuming and I've said before and I wrote it in my book that uh, full-time job search is a full-time job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you're working full-time and looking for a new job, you need to be prepared to put in some, some, a lot of hours and you're going to probably burn the candle at both ends and you're just going to have to do it. And uh, if, when I, when I talk to a candidate who's trying to maybe uh, finish a degree, work full time and search for a job, I tell that person, you need to drop one of the three of these things. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't do all three of those things at the same time. Right. And do well. <laughs> And, well, yeah, you will not do well if you try to do all three of those things mm -hmm. at the same time. So, so study up on the co company culture. Um, then once you've really zeroed in on the jobs that you're applying for, make sure that your resume has every one of the skills that is required in that job posting and probably 90% of the skills that are listed as nice to have or preferred on that job description. And if you don't, it's probably not worth your time to apply for that position. And I hate to say that, I really do. Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of candidates will apply for a position and say, you know, I have a lot of transferable skills for this or uh, I feel like I'm a perfect match for this role and then I pop open their resume and they're missing about 10 or 15 of the different requirements, skill requirements or so forth that are on the job description. And, and the candidate may say, well, I've done those things. I just didn't put them on my resume. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, you can't, you, you're not going to get by with that. Or they say, well, I haven't done that, but I'm willing to learn. Mm-hmm. I've, but listen, I'm going to be talking to, to at least 20 other candidates that have done it. So the willing to learn is probably not going to get in the door, especially in a, in a experienced position. Now, if it's a new graduate position, that's a different game, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I, expect, I expect to do training. I expect to do development with a new graduate. And so I realize you're not going to have every skill that I'm asking for. But if, but if you've got five or ten years of experience, 
don't apply for positions that you don't match every one of the required skills and 80 or 90% of the preferred skills. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I think a lot of times candidates, they don't think about, you know, great, you, you, you can learn. I mean, a lot of people want to learn, but at the same time, I always recommend them, you know, when you look at uh, look at a career, looking at a job, you want to make sure that you're going to be successful instead of, you know, struggling through this uphill battle of learning a new skill set while performing on a more, on a, like maybe a manager level role or a director level role. That's really not ideal for you. You want to land, in, land a role, you know you're going to be successful, have a little bit of learning curve, but not so much that you're learning multiple things at the same time. Agreed. Agreed. You know, you want to be, you want to be challenged by the challenges of the job, but experienced in having faced those challenges before. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Now, if, um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, what are some of the ways to find you or reach out to you? I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. If you pop Dan Medlin into any Google search bar, I'll be the first hit. Great. And I'm going to plug, um, you mentioned you have a book. Um, can, you, can you say the name of your book again? You bet. It's called the, the Star Career Workbook, and it's on Amazon. Great. But thank you so much for your time. Yeah, my pleasure, Helen. Good luck with this. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. I'll talk to you again okay. soon. All right. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. I want to take the time again to thank Dan for his time. And please do check out his book on Amazon. It's called Star, S-T-A-R, Career Workbook. In my last podcast, I talked about the launch of my paid career coaching service and free workshops. Well, I just finished a first workshop titled, I am starting to look, quote-unquote, for a job. Now what? For those of you who were able to attend, thank you. But if you missed it, don't worry. I'm hosting the same workshop on Friday, June 3rd. For more information, you can sign up by visiting www.interviewrightconsulting.com. Now, for next podcast um, and the last of the recruiter series, we have Vivi Fenwick joining us. Vivi brings with her over a decade of human resources and recruitment experience. What I find Vivi's experience interesting is that she coaches HR department and other hiring managers on how to develop interview materials. So she can offer you insights as to the planning process of why hiring managers and recruiters ask the kind of questions they do. The podcast, again, will be live in about two weeks. Until then, have a great rest of the week. 